Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are, if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw and get reacquainted with some old classics. So, join us now for the 430 movie. This is Mark A. Altman, and you're listening to the 430 movie. Welcome to an all-new theme week. This week, it's Under the Sea Week on the 430 movie. <laughs> glub, glub, glub. Dive, glub, glub. dive. <laughs> Remember that restaurant in Century City, Jeffrey Katzenberg? Oh, yeah. They had great fries, though. Oh, they did. <laughs> it was shaped like a submarine. That and every 10 it, minutes, though. they would go, prepare to dive. dive and then there would be bubbles in the window. <laughs> Oh, who thought that very was very romantic? Idea? That shows when you have stupid money at that point. Yeah. When you can put money into a <laughs> like restaurant, a submarine restaurant. It's like a submarine. Wasn't it around when SeaQuest came out? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, actually. Because submarines were going to be oh, all the rage. It was pretty rage. cool. I ate there several times. It was silly and fun. It was yeah. silly and fun and had great fries. Yeah. And the rest of the food was horrible. <laughs> Awful. And Awful. kind of expensive. Yeah, for what it was, for sure. Hello, I'm Mark A. Olman, <laughs> and you're listening to Under the Sea Week. This is, uh, <laughs> I'm so glad to be here with our expert band of programmers who are here to tell you what to watch, when, and how to watch. And where to eat, <laughs> and where not. <laughs> Some wonderful snacks for while you're watching the 4-3 movie. Some restaurant recommendations for businesses Special that report. haven't been French there. French fries. <laughs> First, we have Stephen Melching. He's a writer for such series as Batman, The Brave and the Bold, X-Men, The Animated Series, the brilliant Star Wars Rebels, which recently completed its run on Disney XD, and the upcoming Star Wars Resistance, which debuts on Disney Channel this month. Steve Melching, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody bring him up. <laughs> He's getting the bends. <laughs> We're also here with a brilliant conceptual designer for film and television series, such as Master and Commander. I like to think of it as uh, the real Star Trek movie. And uh, the second season of Westworld and designer of our fantastic new 430 movie website, 430movie.com, Darren Docterman. Welcome, Darren. Hi there. <laughs> I'm talking to you from below the ocean. <laughs> Why do you sound like David Lynch? Well, <laughs> There's because, Gordon Cole here. <laughs> because when you're under the ocean, you do sound like David Lynch. Fantastic. That's what happens. And last but not least, we have um, Ashley E. Miller. Uh, Ashley, of course, is a writer for such films as Thor, X-Men First Class, and the upcoming Red Sonja. He's written for TV shows like Fringe and Black Sails and has the upcoming season two of Lore dropping on Amazon Prime this month. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. And of course, I'm Mark Altman, <laughs> author of the best-selling new book, So Say We All, an oral history of Battlestar Galactica, and a writer for a bunch of TV shows, including Librarians, Agent X, and Castle. Uh, welcome to Under the Sea Week. Come on in. The water's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared. It's 93 <laughs> degrees Celsius. Um, <laughs> so... Um, Again, we're faced with a quandary, and you're probably asking what kind of quandary is that? Well, I'll tell you what kind of quandary it is. It is uh, that Darren uh, may have to recuse himself because, of course, Darren worked on the wonderful James Cameron movie, The Abyss. So He worked he... on a couple of undersea films. I, I got a couple undersea films on my resume. So if should they come up, I will... Um... I don't think anyone needs to recuse no. anyone because if, if I'm not going to pick them, I'm not going to pick them. I want to hear okay. stories about the well, abyss. Yeah. So well, well I'm not saying you can't tell stories. I'm saying you can't pick your own movie. <laughs> yeah. You can no, pick I... your note. Wait. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ashley, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Monday. 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 Um, so there are so many the great films. And, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of 
reasons to love Don Knotts. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to pick the incredible Mr. Lindell. Oh. I just want to throw that out there as, a, as an earworm. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. I love how the fish kind of walks around with like one bullet in his pocket. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I've, killed, me. We, I've killed poor Steve. Poor Steve. I'm drowning. Is it's your turn now. Um, I am actually going to start because, look, um, I've got a, a nine-year-old. I've got a pair, God help me, of uh, two and a half, actually really almost three-year-olds. And so I'm going to pick Finding Nemo. <coughs> Why? And it's not just because I have watched the ever-loving crap out of it recently. Because um, it's better than Finding Dora. <laughs> uh, but you know what, though? Finding Dora is pretty good. Um, but uh, no, I mean, Finding Nemo is, uh, I think, one of Pixar's best. Yeah, It is a great movie. I agree. And the great. thing that I love about it, other than, you know, you can park your kids in front of it and they can just watch it and it's like having, like, thanks for the babysitter, John Lasseter. Um, <laughs> it really That's what John is. Lasseter said. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Oh, um, see. It is, it's a movie that speaks to me because it is about um, parental fear. Yes, you know, I, yeah, I very think, much so. You know, the, the thing you learn as a parent, um, the first thing you learn from the, the first scream is that being a parent is about learning to be afraid of something new every day. Mm-hmm. And Finding Nemo really dramatizes um, that fear in a lot of great ways. It, you know, it it it, it very quickly uh, just dramatizes the relationship between Nemo and his father. And I'm sorry, it, <laughs> what's wrong? Just... No, I'm just laughing because this is gonna sound crazy. It, yes, you know how we just we just look. It's no secret we record these podcasts in bunches. Wait, what? We just did the kid stays in the picture movies about. Hollywood, you know, and we spent like we mentioned like four thousand movies, right? So you're sitting here talking about the fears of being a parent, and I'm thinking, oh, Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks is so great, and then I'm thinking, oh, he was really great in Modern Romance, and then I'm thinking, Modern Romance, is a great movie about Hollywood. <laughs> you have a crawl on, and I'm like, oh, wait a second, that's not even the show we're doing anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Back to Under the Sea. It's for crying out loud. So, yeah. So, um, no, it's it's just a great film. It's a great story. Um, It's, you know, it's it's a movie about becoming becoming a successful parent means overcoming the fear and learning to let go. Um, And it, it, it certainly doesn't mean that, you know, when your kids need you, you don't try to help them, but it's also recognizing that there's only so many things you can control. And they're more resourceful than you give them credit for. Absolutely. And it's just, it's a really beautiful movie, um, like in in every phase of the game. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I think it's it's technically one of their most beautiful looking films. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, artistically, it is staggering. Um, And uh, I, I enjoy the film. It you know, it gets a little bit into cartoon land when we get above the surface and the little girl in the de- in the dentist's office. Right. But I think the rest of it is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, I was kidding around about Finding Dory. I think Finding Dory also is a terrific film. And when they announced, you know, when, when Pixar announced that they were going into sequel land, it was a little scary because other than Toy Story, it didn't really feel they had franchises that lent itself. It felt like a, a you know, sort of crass commercial thing. But they've really been... Some of these sequels have been terrific, and Finding never more so than Finding Dory, which Absolutely. I think is a wonderful, a wonderful film. That the Pixar machine, even though they've stumbled a little more with the good dinosaur and stuff, uh, their track record, you know, I guess, you know, along with Marvel, is is un, un, un you know, matchable. Totally. Uh, you know, I used to say that about Rob Reiner until he made North, um, but you know, that was a guy who had a career that 
I mean, with Spinal Tap and Princess Bride, and I mean, it just could do no wrong. And and uh, and it was, but he couldn't handle the truth. But he couldn't handle <laughs> the truth. Deep down but but but, but uh, yeah, I, I I think that's a really unexpected choice, uh, but um, a, a great choice nonetheless. And I I think I think that uh, uh, Mark, you missed an opportunity uh, to do a sequel to Free Enterprise called Finding Nimoy. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, Rob and I, a couple of years ago, um, before Nimoy passed away, had, um, uh, had, had, had thought we had the financing for a sequel, you know, which was going to be called For Enterprise 2, The Wrath of Shatner. And uh, in the film, the, they're trying to find Shatner. It's like a search for Shatner, who's got disappeared and gone off to become a rabbi or something. Because he's always oh, supposed to marry Rob, and so he decides he's going well, to be ordained away as a all rabbi. The movie. Well, it's never going to happen. Hey, Shatner so. was gonna, so, oh, so, uh, so they go to an art exhibit to try and get Nimoy to come on their quest with them. And there was this great scene we wrote uh, um, for uh, for Leonard, and uh, and 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 uh, I remember we reached out to him, and he was just like, no. I'm not, <laughs> no. I'm not gonna do a damn thing. And you know, with Shatner, we kept asking and asking until he finally said yes on Free Enterprise. And then with Nimoy, it was the exact opposite. It's like, stop asking. I do not want to hear from you guys again. <laughs> oh, no. And it was funny because we had known him because I remember when we first when we were making Shatner's 70th birthday video and we, we filmed Nimoy for the video, um, we'd said to Leonard, Oh, you know, he says, Oh, you guys seem familiar. You know, say, Oh, we made this film Free Enterprise with William Shatner. And he says, I hate that movie. He was like, Why? He goes, Because everything's Bill this, Captain Kirk that. What about Spock? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I remember he had seen at the old ABC Century City theaters, uh, because um one of the uh, the people that worked there, the ticket taker, when we went to go see, like, you know, you go to see how it's doing and if people are going to the theater. He said, oh, you know who was just in here the other day? Uh, he said, Leonard Nimoy was in, sitting in the back of the theater, came to see the movie. And we're like, oh, that's cool. So um, yeah. he, he, he went out scowling. <laughs> <laughs> he went out scowling. So, no, he was, uh, look, uh, Leonard was a really interesting smart, wonderful man, but he never made a movie in which he was under the sea, even <laughs> Zombies <laughs> of the Stratosphere. So perhaps we should move on from Leonard Nimoy yes. to the uh, Steve's Choice for Tuesday. Oh, boy. Well, when you uh, when you gave us this list of topics under the sea, uh, my brain immediately went to classic submarine films. As did and I. Of course, there are a great many great submarine films. Um, I think perhaps chief among them is uh, John McTiernan's 1990 film, The Hunt for Red October, with Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin and mm. Scott Glenn, Sam Neill, James Earl Jones. I mean, it's got an, a terrific all-star cast in a great Cold War uh, tale of uh, intrigue and uh, potential nuclear Armageddon and, and uh, uh, defection from the Soviet Union and... Um, it's and a great ba- Basil Polidor story. Great Basil Polidor story. Um, directed, you know, John McTiernan was in the in midst of an incredible st- uh, streak of great films, yeah, you know, great including Die so. Hard and um, Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October. At the peak of his powers, um, just delivers an incredibly entertaining geopolitical thriller that boils down Tom Clancy's sort of encyclopedic novel into a really tense thriller. Once again, we play out a dangerous oh, game. Oh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery's back. Against our old adversary, the American Navy. Sean, <laughs> uh, how do you think that movie holds up these days? 
Well, I would give it one ping only. <laughs> do you feel as though, um, do you feel that it was odd to have a, a, a Russian sea captain with a Scottish accent? I certainly don't know what you're talking about, but uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we were, uh, they put us in a real submarine and took us under the water. <laughs> At least that's what they told me. And it's, would you say it's more or less strange than a, um, than a Spanish cavalier? I think you ought to keep your mouth shut. That's yeah. what I think <laughs> I, one last do. question for you, Sean. In, in, in a fight, who would win, James Bond or um, Jack Ryan? <laughs> well, uh, James Bond reacts very well to bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you that. Well, Steve, I, you know, I, I don't know if you realize that uh, the movie just came out in beautiful 4K from Paramount Home Video. Uh, I only Louis have, Stevens. I don't have that many Ks on my screen at home yet. <laughs> You're lacking in Ks. I'm lacking. I only have uh, 1080. Oh, that's, that ain't even a K. That's not that's even a K. A K. No, it's just over You a got K. no K. No yes. K. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are, I've got plasma. Not okay. You're but no we should K. have K. Rindell as a special guest. That's true. Absolutely. Perhaps uh, someday. Um, so <laughs> Some K. <laughs> for my money, Hunt for Red Octobers is the easily the most successful of the Tom Clancy adaptations. Yes, it's probably totally his best book. And yes. uh, personal connection story. So before I became the lovely screenwriter you see before you today. Lovely. I was a younger, lovelier. Uh, no, I was in a completely different uh, line of business. And um, I used to work for the for the Navy as a, as a contractor. And uh, I did a lot of things involving stuff that goes underwater and kind of, you know, looks for things um, that are underwater. Um, and one of my bosses had been the captain of the USS Dallas oh. at the time of uh, wow. the, the Hunt for Red October is set. Wow. So I always felt this kind of this one degree of separation, personal connection. And it wasn't Scott Glenn? It wasn't Scott Glenn. <laughs> Damn it. Um, you figure out all this on your own, Jonesy? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy <laughs> Ivan. Right? No, uh, yeah. uh, I was in... Uh, I just graduated from USC film school uh, when the when the movie came out. But one of my close friends from school, uh, Mitch Danton's older brother, was the AD on Hunt for Red October, Steve-O Danton. And so Mitch got to be an extra in the film. And you can see him in uh, the scene where Connery's giving his big speech on the bridge mm. of the uh, Red October you can see him standing behind him in a couple of shots, like, "Oh my God, there's Mitch on the, behind Sean Connery in the submarine." That's so I, cool. Uh, I think that's a great uh, entry for Tuesday. Totally. And what, just one more thing about it: so I think that John McTiernan does something in that that movie that is just—I mean, he does a lot of things great in that movie, um, but he makes a choice that's just brilliant. And it's starting out Sam Neill and Sean Connery, and they're talking in Russian, and mm -hmm. then kind of the push in. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and does the transition where suddenly now they're talking in English. Which he stole from Judgment in Nuremberg. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. But uh, it was, it was, you know what? Great poets steal. <laughs> it's an homage. Yeah. And it, no, no, it's look, a terrific and, device. And it's, a yeah. it's a great device. It worked very effectively. Yeah. You know, less so the fact that the captain has a Scottish accent and Sam Neill has an Australian accent. And right. The real Russians have a Russian accent. And, uh, and then Tim Curry, I don't know what the freak he was doing as the doctor. Uh, you know. That. 
it doesn't matter. Dr. It's a Frank great, Hitler. freaking so movie. So entertaining. It yeah. It's super entertaining. But, you know, I have to tell you, it's so entertaining that you scared me off my Wednesday pick. Right. Well, wait, wait, wait. Have you lost oh, another sorry, One submarine? more thing to talk about in this film is the, the visual effects in it. Miniatures. It's so hard to do underwater effects and, and sea surface effects. Obviously, they had, I think, some cooperation from the Department of Defense to get to shoot on the aircraft carrier and get access to some hardware. But yeah. Industrial Light and Magic did some really remarkable work with these submarines uh, shooting these large-scale models on smoke, smoke there's stages. An in, there's right? an interesting story about that, too, because originally the visual effects were being done by Boss Film mm. uh, under, under Richard Edlund. Yeah. Um, and they were doing some interesting things in smoke. With the, They built the miniatures. Um, and the director was having them do very strange, like, multicolored underwater sort of environments for it. And it was crazy looking. Hmm. And basically, McTiernan got Boss Films fired from it, and hmm. then they went to ILM. Wow. That's it, interesting. Because I, I visited Boss Film while they were shooting it. And huh. then it was gone. Right. <laughs> but the miniature work is really terrific because it's it great. seamlessly works with the... It, it, uh, the only thing that doesn't work is that sort of green screen shot at the end right. when they're in the harbor and it's Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin on the you know, the, the crow's nest or whatever of the, the submarine. Conning tower. That's the conning tower. And, 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 that, that, and they hold that shot a little too long. It's like, feels like bad rear projection. But just like the, when they built that, uh, that part of the submarine that they were towing around mm -hmm. uh, the harbors, I mean, that's, it's, it's incredible. I yeah. mean, it's a great... Set piece, you know. It's a super it. movie. It's intense. There's some great performances. Alec Baldwin is still the best Jack Ryan. Easily. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you watched the new show on Amazon. No, not yet. Um, you know, uh, jury's still out on uh, Krasinski. Um, I haven't watched the whole thing. When so, I was a boy in uh, Vilnius, my grandfather taught me to fish. But, um, <laughs> but you know, Alec Baldwin is is truly terrific in that. You know, back in his matinee idol days, yeah. rather than supporting. And then you had. You know Fred Dalton Thomas uh, Thompson, who mm. sort of owned the '80s. Uh, you know, with these great scene-stealing performance. Uh, you know, he wasn't an actor; he was a lawyer. You know, he came out of the Nixon White House. But boy, is he good in that movie! Yep, uh, just in a scene or two on the aircraft yeah, carrier. So good in that movie. Uh, and of course, James Earl Jones. Yeah, the, yeah, the who's, admiral. Who's terrific. And, and I was never here. Yeah. And Wendell Pierce is playing that character in the Amazon series. And I love Wendell Pierce from The Wire, but he doesn't have the warmth and um, that, that James Earl Jones, I thought, brought to uh, that the character of James Greer. Um, and then, you know, he was sort of like Judy Dench because he continued through multiple mm, right, Jack Ryans, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but it was always James Earl Jones, you know, even when, you know, the, the Ryan changed. <laughs> Suddenly he's Harrison, he grows up in Harrison Ford. <laughs> and then he becomes uh, Ben Affleck, <laughs> and which then I think was Morgan Freeman playing uh, uh, Greer. Um, so uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, so that was, that was Tuesday. 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 So oh. Wednesday, I would say... You know, I was going to say, after you said Hunt for Red October, yeah, I, I had to reevaluate because I was going to go Crimson Tide, yeah. which is basically the same era. I, I actually like it better than Hunt for Red October. Really? Yeah, I do. Mm. I mean, I think Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman are on fire. Mm. It's Tony Scott's best movie. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think it's Tony Scott's best movie. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, I love it. To Very aware, sir. I, I think it's, um, it's good, but to me it's- Great I Hans Zimmer score. Yeah. I think there's more tension. I just I, I think it's better shot. It's just everything about it. But because it's so close to Hunt for Red October, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, not go with Crimson Tide. But uh, I'm going to go with um, 
No, I'm not. The Incredible Mr. Limpet. No, Titanic. No, I'm going <laughs> to go with uh, this under the sea now. And uh, no, I'm going to go. Uh, Spy Love Me? No, can't do that. Oh. We already did James Bond week. But that could technically land. No. I'm going to go with Ice Station Zebra. And why mm. am I going to go with Ice Station Zebra? Because uh, one of the writers who worked on the script is the great Patty Chayefsky. Mm. And one of the things about Ice Station Zebra, which you would think based on you know, it's based on a sort of pot boiler novel. Uh, it, it's kind of a race, you know, against the Russians, Cold War thriller. But the dialogue is so good, uh, Patty Chayefsky, particularly, uh, you know, Rock Hudson and um, uh, the great Patrick McGowan and Ernie Borgnine, every kid's favorite. <laughs> every kid's favorite. And um, uh, I, I, it has such a great cast um, and, and such sparkling wit about it. Uh, and also some great miniature work as well. Um, some of it's a little dodgy, but you know that's to be expected. And it is probably the last great movie from one of my favorite directors, John Sturgis, mm-hmm. who did movies like The Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape and Bad Day at Black Rock. And um, it's probably his last great movie. By the time you get to The Eagle Has Landed, he's such an alcoholic haze that you know it doesn't make any sense. Even though I kind of like The Eagle Has Landed too. Um, and it's based on a book. Alistair McLean. Alex, Alex, yeah, Alistair was McLean. like the king who really invented the whole genre of novels that your dad buys at the airport. Right. <laughs> well, and then you also could say then that Jack Higgins raised the Titanic was in that yes. genre as well. Actually, but um, that was Clive Kessler. Oh, Clive Kessler, right, right. right but yes, Kessler. it was the same genre. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Jack Higgins was the island, right? Never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, so that's, that's when you go to. So so anyway, yeah. uh, I love. As soon as we get into books, we fall apart. I love yeah. <laughs> I, right, because that requires reading is fundamental. Um, whereas movies are fundamental. Um, <laughs> and and God. Ice Station Zebra was also, um, uh, you know, famously uh, Howard Hughes's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he would tell the TV station that he owned to play it like every night. Yeah, and he, he would he would watch it in his suite. In, in, in Las House. Vegas, yeah. um, and he would just watch it over and over again, you know, growing his fingernails long and, <laughs> and uh, being incredibly filthy. Um, but uh, that's I, how I do it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really it's an odd movie because it's it's very it's very sixties, uh, and yet it's it's got an unrealness about the whole thing. It's lit very unnaturally and there's just an odd thing about it you know it's it's almost it's almost a 70s disaster movie without being a see and i feel to movie. me it's more redolent of a 60s star trek episode and i think that's what i like about it you know by the time you get to the third act they're on the sort of styrofoam mm-hmm. sets which are you know sort of the stand-in for the north pole right. and then jim brown's in it who's great right. by the way mm-hmm. but um you then you know that then you have the captain of the ship, Rock Hudson, who's very Shatner-esque in sure. that role, very powerful and 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 quick-witted and in command, and you know, you could see how much people really respect him, right. you know, and and so to me it has kind of the feel of a '60s Star Trek episode, which is probably why I'm so fond of it. Um, you know, it's not a perfect movie. I probably would have gone with Crimson Tide if Steve hadn't. Gone with Hunt for Red October, but I, I feel that there's, they're so similar and they're made almost contemporaneously. You know, I think Hunt for Red October was um, late 80s and then uh, 1990. Uh, 1990, but, yeah. and then Crimson Tide was what, 92, 93? 95. 95. Okay, but close. Yeah. So, 
Also, I, I think Ice Station Zebra is is one of those films that, that feels like a perfect 430 movie that you would mm-hmm. see totally. as a 430 movie. I think movie. they actually did have it on the 430 right. movie. It's yeah. like it's an adventure. Even um, though there's no zebras in it. No, I know. Yeah. That's what's really strange. And like, why would you keep zebra yeah. at, like on ice? I mean, we have the ice. They live in they the, have the station. The, like the, the but Africa, no zebras. Like the, I don't understand. Um, no, but I, I think it's, it's the kind of thing like as a kid – like you go, oh yeah, this is cool. This mm-hmm. is awesome. I mean, um, well, it, they're it, racing against the Russians to find a satellite that has the film of uh, you know nuclear uh, testing or uh, a nuclear yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah. It's Why would you put boring. that in a satellite? I don't know. But <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of Michel Legrand in general. Like I, I hate his score for Never Say Never Again. Oh my God. Uh, you know, I like his score for uh, you know Thomas Crown Affair, but his score for Ice Station Zebra is quite good. And, yeah, it's uh, in my uh, rotation, my iTunes playlist, my writing playlist. I actually listen oh, to Oh, you it. mean you don't have it on social where everybody can see what you're listening to? That to me is the most. <laughs> you see, every time iTunes is, is saying, Would you like your friends to know what you're listening to? Yeah, no, I really. don't no. really want them I to don't know. I want them to know that I'm listening to the soundtrack from Mannequin. Yeah, or, 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 or Grease. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing is, I don't care what they're listening to. Yeah, and why would they care what I'm listening to? <laughs> Ashley, what? don't try and fool us. It's the soundtrack to Mannequin 2. <laughs> right. Mannequin on 2 on the move. <laughs> Yeah, because he's a big Kim Cattrall fan. Who is it? So Ice Station Zebra is my pick for Wednesday. Darren, Thursday. Thursday. Well, you know, I'm surprised no one has picked this one yet. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Perfect. Great. Great. I mean, it's... uh, it's, We might want to move that up to Monday. I don't know. That seems like a Monday movie to me. You can move it wherever you want, but I'm putting it (laughs) straight into Thursday. (laughs) Um, Because it's just just glorious, and it's... uh, it is the movie that sort of brought the Disney Studios into reality, mm-hmm. and uh, it was done. He put he put all his uh, all his wherewithal and all his talents and all his people in on this uh, big bet, and nearly lost the studio over it um, because uh, they had filmed the ending and it wasn't working, and they had to go back to Bank of America to get a loan to redo the entire ending of the movie. Wow. Um, and it's just, it's a glorious uh, example of that sort of time in in uh, our history, in the filmmaking history, uh, where this is the most complex fantasy film ever made for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, glorious uh, visuals. The, the mm-hmm. Nautilus, designed by Harper Goff, is pretty much the perfect... Sort of eight, certainly eighteen hundreds uh, submarine design, just iconic. One of the most iconic, iconic submarine designs. Yeah, of but all I don't time. want to switch movies because I do not want Finding Nemo to replace Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little Disneyland joke. Yes, God, that was, you know it was so offensive to me when they pulled. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues, because it's such well, an it te- iconic Disney Well, it wasn't Twenty Thousand Leagues; it was the submarine voyage. And as a kid, that was one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. But you get attacked by the squid at the end. Yeah. Uh, Don't yeah, you? but I mean, the the Disney World, Disney uh, World did. had the yeah. Nautilus design and everything. Right. The Disneyland, Disneyland had, the, just had regular, the sea serpent. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Disneyland, they were just regular looking. Oh, okay, socks. so Nemo's okay. I I loved. Um, that movie as a kid and I loved it was uh, Mysterious Island yeah right yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. and just there was something about that ship um, and it was all such a perfect adventure and as an and as an adult I can also appreciate it because you realize oh shit 
you know, that story, that book, that that movie, they're they're about something. Um, you know, Nemo isn't just kind of floating around for no reason under the the waves. No. It's like it is really this very interesting meditation on the relationship he, between technology and civilization. He is Khan. Yeah, he is. Mm. Well, it's <laughs> worth saying too. The performances in that movie, two of my favorite actors, uh, Kirk Douglas, oh. who I love, but mm-hmm. James Mason, who is one of my absolute yeah. favorites. And you call so that murder? <laughs> oh my God, James Mason, what are you doing here? Back from the I, I have it, We're so happy to have you. Will you come back for North Northwest, please? <laughs> All of these dishes are from my ocean kitchen. <laughs> 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 wow, well, you know, uh, and I tell you, as a kid watching that movie on TV, that squid at the end—it's the scariest thing ever. That, yeah. when, when he's getting drawn towards that the beak. beak, yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my god, it's horrifying. And of course, yeah. you had Peter Laurie too, who was you know I guess not who you would expect in a kid's then. film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's sitting there shooting up morphine. It's like, eh, hey, yeah. I hate kitties. But uh, you know, Peter Laurie is just so uh, you know from M to twenty thousand yeah, right. weeks <laughs> under the sea. <laughs> um, but you know, he's another actor who I just adored, and you know, I don't uh, think we can trust Captain Nemo. <laughs> 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 oh my God! Uh, and and of course. Um, you know Kirk Douglas's little musical. Oh gosh, is number sea shanty. Yeah, oh, God, so it's, Disney. It's very, it's so Disney, and there's some disturbing views of his buttocks as they are dancing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, can we get a time code on that so the kids at home? Can... Yeah, no, they can find it themselves See, after stop four. This isn't really that mem- you know, related to this, but. I have to say, you know, Kirk Douglas is a really remarkable guy. Yeah. Yes. You know, not only his career, you know, not only for what he did during the blacklist, but, you know, also, I, I'm not, a lot of people don't know this, but him and his uh, wife, Ann Douglas, um, donate uh, a lot of money to Los Angeles to build parks. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the parks, playgrounds around the Los Angeles area, either new or some that are, are sort of run down, are rebuilt thanks to the generosity of uh, Kirk and Ann Douglas, and I think mm. it's a really remarkable thing that they've done. This is a case of, you know, people who are putting their money where their mouth is and who are giving back, you know, so much, not just worried about, you know, tax cuts for the rich, but they're actually, you know, looking out for the next generation. And you know, he's young just a kids need to play outside. <laughs> Twenty thousand <laughs> leagues. <laughs> and Kirk Douglas was a was one of those great sort of old Hollywood actors that. I would see around town all the time. He mm-hmm. was always coming out for screenings yeah. and stuff. Yep. I saw him at the Egyptian theater all the time. He would come down to talk about a film or I saw him at the, t- the TV Academy. They yeah. did a screening of something. And even he's in his 90s, yeah. you know, he's out there still sharp as a tack. And, and, uh, and he and still looks like he can stories. beat up his son. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I-, I wish they would give him like a, a cameo in one of the Ant-Man movies. Like I would oh. love to see – Kirk Douglas, you know. Or at least give him, like, the CGI, hey, he's a young dude treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So you could have truly unsettling shots of his buttocks. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're you're killing me here. But, yeah, uh, of course, that's a fantastic suggestion, and we were remiss not to mention it earlier. Totally. Well, there are are a lot of great under-the-sea movies. I mean, we've got four choices so far. I mean, there's a bunch that we could there's talk about more. for our, uh, well, our final you know, slot. Well, you know, the TV movie Man from Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> well, which, I believe, was a um, was a adaptation of um, Namor. It's, oh. It's actually Prince, supposed to be Prince Namor. Prince Namor. 
Well, that they they initially started out to do that and didn't get the rights. I guess so. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it was. Uh, that what was, do you mean? I know. I mean, Mr. it was Miller. like that was the. It was that's what was huh. the. Where it was taken it's from. kind of incredible that Universal has had those Submariner rights all these years yeah. and done nothing with it. Yeah. Even uh, you know <clears throat> during the heyday of the. Uh, maybe they're waiting to see how Aquaman does, but. Um, you know, you think that Namor is such a low-hanging fruit, it would make sense to do uh, Submariner. He's such a beloved character. What are you calling a fruit? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, right. So, uh, Steve, you were saying, so Friday. Well, I mean, you know, we we probably should first talk about a film we referenced earlier, James Cameron's uh, the, 1989 film, The Abyss. Yes. Absolutely. Which uh, was groundbreaking on so many levels, the, but the not scale as of that production. groundbreaking as Deep Star 6 and Leviathan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yes. God, man. Oh, boy. That was the Dante's Peak Volcano matchup of That's uh, true. that year. Oh, my God. Leviathan was... I mean, Deep Star 6 was really bad. Leviathan made Deep Star 6 look like the abyss. I mean... Holy crap. George Cosmos. They all came out the yeah. same year. It's Which like they, they all got wind that Cameron was making this film. And yep. I think decided to, oh, James Cameron's going to do an underwater picture. We got to do one too. It's, uh, it's interesting because uh, several of the people on the crew had worked on Leviathan before that. So wow. it act- Leviathan was actually made before The Abyss was. Mm. So, so The Abyss was Cameron's. Basically, his third film. It was uh, his third film. Big film as a director after Terminator and uh, Aliens. Yeah, and Piranha Two: The Spawning. Well, and and he he called it his answer to Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. Mm. Interesting. That's what he considered it, Um, which I think is very misguided, Mm -hmm. because I think he wanted to he wanted it to be um, a more of a love story and an exploration of humanity's place on the earth but i think it works way better as an action uh as an action movie well, it's kind yeah. of a schizophrenic as a, as a, as a, movie. a thriller yeah, yeah. um Although, more more than the this the underwater creatures the husband wife relationship i thought was really great it's really, really it is yeah. Yeah. i was gonna say i kind of feel like it totally works as an action film it totally works as spectacle but like a lot of his films, the love story was a little ham-fisted, I felt. And I, I like Ed Harris, and I like Mary Elizabeth Antonio, but I, I felt that the whole story of this sort of a strange couple that comes back together, the pressure cooker of literal and figurative forces putting pressure, you know, uh, I didn't work as well for me. But it's, it, it, like most of his work, such a remarkable achievement uh, in terms of filmmaking, in terms of sort of pushing the envelope of the medium. I mean, it really is a, a, a staggering... Well, just uh, building that set, like Darren, can, I'm sure, can talk about this. They built the the set of the uh, Deep Star Deep, Deep Core. Core station uh, in was it an abandoned nuclear in, a, uh, in an abandoned nuclear uh, containment vessel uh, on uh, uh, land down in South Carolina in a little town called Gaffney. And you were there. I was there for yeah. you know many 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 months. It was the first movie I, I worked on uh, officially, and I turned 21 on that set, and it was. Unfreaking believable because not only did the art department have to build sets, but they had to build life support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and everything was built practically real, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes. Uh, but it was it was amazing because all the actors were placed in these horrific situations. And I think they did the best they could to sort of deal with it. And but to be fair, Jim Cameron put himself in exactly the same position. 
and he was just as threatened by the surroundings as everybody else. Right. And but Jim didn't get to come out of the tank, you know, while they were resetting. You know, the actors got to got to go up to the surface and decompress a bit. Jim was down there all freaking day, and it took him you know, an hour and a half to decompress oh after gosh. being at 30 feet below. Jesus. Um, it was unbelievable the, the stress that, you know, not only Jim was dealing with from the studio for not going over budget, uh, but physically, uh, the, the taxing uh, that the schedule and the filming underwater had on everybody. Um, but it was really an amazing accomplishment, and uh, uh, Gail Ann Hurd was the producer, and Jim was there, and they had just gotten a divorce. So, so that's their the story. Times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it was it was fascinating, and uh, you know, I got to work with so many great people on that film, and it was almost impossible to do. And uh, the you know the funny thing is that. Every movie that I've worked on since has been a piece of cake compared to that. Mm, I believe it. <laughs> well, look, I, I think that uh, it seems like The Abyss is an easy slam dunk for Friday, but before we commit to that, I think we got oh, a lot more. Some more. of the other, uh, other films that uh, are potentially. Well, why, why don't we talk about uh, Wolfgang Peterson's mm, 1981 mm. film, Das Boot? Okay, so I think the great accomplishment of that film is that when at the end of it, spoiler alert, <laughs> the uh, the Royal Air Force bombs the unholy shit uh, out of that boat. We're like looking into the sky. And we're thinking, "Oh, you stupid Brits!" <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. minute, they're the Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I uh, one of the one of the few lines of House of the Dead that that stayed in that dreadful piece of garbage that um, I was involved with. <laughs> was uh, when Wolfgang Peter Wolfgang Peterson when Jurgen <laughs> when Jurgen Prochnow steps who, who's out who's the star of Dust uh, uh, onto the deck of this fishing trawler and he's wearing the actual hat he wore oh. in Dust Boat and the kid <laughs> says who's the U boat commander and oh. uh, I was so glad that was sort of an homage to Dust Boat and uh, <laughs> risky business <laughs> so it was great and oh. and, and Jurgen Prochnow because at that point Uva was just drawing out pages of script and just having people ad lib and turning the movie into a complete farce and Jurgen Prognow just lost his thing. He said, I signed up to make this script. Why are we changing it? I'm like, God bless you, Jurgen. I love you for life. I already loved you in Dust Boat and uh, and, uh, and I love you even more now. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was. It I was, mean, this is a film, I believe, did it, was it a television miniseries yes. in Germany yeah. initially and released theatrically in the United, or over, you know, th- uh, and that's Worldwide. why there's an extended cut. Yeah. Right? Uh, because it's not really an extended cut. It's just, it's you know, the whole the, it's the thing. The thing. Yeah. And um, and the uh the submarine pen that you see in it is mm-hmm. the submarine pen in Raiders of the Raiders Lost, Lost Ark. And, yeah. and the, the miniature submarine. Correct. They use the same remote uh, controlled like miniature where submarine. There. Movies are happening <laughs> at the same time. Now I have yeah. to say, Dust Boat is clearly a masterpiece and we love it. Do you rush home from school? To well, watch you might be das like, Boat. ooh, Das Boat. It's this obscure, semi-obscure German film from 40 years <laughs> ago. I better get home. We're not quick. showing the dub version. It's we're showing the right. subtitle version. So I, I kind of feel like maybe. Well, I just want to throw it out there. Yeah, you know, absolutely it's an important legitimate. film. Very important. Well, along those lines, I'm going to have to mention another movie that I worked on. Kelsey Grammer in Down Periscope. Down Periscope. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Deep Blue Sea. No, Kelsey Grammer wasn't in that. Yeah, but that's another one that I, I was thinking about. But I, I think Down Periscope is 
is definitely it's a submarine movie. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's the wackiest crew in the navy, and it's terrible. But <laughs> but it it, anyway. it meant well. Look, David S. Ward, who uh, who wrote uh, the Sting, the Sting, mm-hmm. and uh, Major League, right. mm-hmm. um, directed and wrote this, and. Uh, he had a a slew of very talented comic actors come in for this, and there's a bunch of uh, you know like Toby Huff who who uh, you know we saw later in many things, including uh, uh, the TV show about the start of the computer. Uh, oh, Toby, Toby Huss, Huss, uh, yeah, Hassel, Toby Hooper. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. Halt uh, uh, and Catch Fire. Yes, yes. I uh, see. I remember him from the Adventures of Pete and Pete, which was a fantastic Nickelodeon live action show from the early nineties. But but, anyway. but I remember seeing him in dailies, just riffing on stuff, and he would never stop. And he was the most hilarious thing. Oh. And they cut all the funny stuff out. Mm. Um, but uh, and, and uh, you know um, Kelsey Grammer, who was fresh off uh, a DUI or something, <laughs> um, was. Uh, you know, he did his best, and I think he did a pretty good job. Um, uh, uh, the uh, Admiral, uh, played by um, Rip Torn, mm. is, you know, playing Rip Torn in it, and he's doing his uh, his uh, great thing. Um, and it's just, it's, it's kind of better than it should be, but it's not good. It, it's, it's kind of weird, but it, it's, it's enjoyable to watch. Okay, moving right along. Thank so, you. <laughs> you know, if we're going to go a little bit out of the box, yes. there's always um, George C. Scott in Day oh, yes. of the Dolphin. Oh, yes. Ma, Ma, Ma loves Pa. But they're not really under the sea. The dolphins are under the that's sea. That's true, but he's not. But nobody else is under the sea. You're right. So that's a perfect like segue into bringing up the incredible Mr. Limpet. Now, <laughs> I've been joking about this the whole podcast, but honestly, when I was a kid, and I actually saw it, on the 430 movie. I loved The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Yeah. And I think the reason why it stuck with me, um, other than I kind of love the idea of the animation with like the, the yeah. live action, is it really was this story about this this guy who just, who wanted to be useful. Yep. You know, he he, he wanted to be like, like everybody else. He wanted to be a, a part of something. Um, and this was his big chance. And he struggles um, and, you, and you love him. And, you know, he's charming. And it's just, it's, an adorable. It's the same film. exact story as Captain America. It really is, actually. <laughs> Instead of turning into a, a muscle-bound guy, yeah. he turns into a fish. Exactly. Yeah. And I love it, like, when he fights Thanos in the... Wait. <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, I was confused. But no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's totally Captain America. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I love I love Incredible Mr. Limpet, and uh, just the animation alone is glorious. Mm. Was it Warner Brothers? Uh, yeah. I love uh, Charlie the Tuna and the Starkist Tuna commercials. <laughs> I really miss him. I, I him and the Grimace from the old McDonald's commercials. I don't know what happened to these legendary characters. Um, other movies that for consideration well, for Friday. We definitely forgot Wes Anderson's film, The Life Aquatic, right, with Steve sure. Zissou, which is uh, a film that I've always really enjoyed. Um, Bill Murray, of course, as uh, Steve Zissou. I I just love the whole sort of. Um, uh, um, vibe of uh, oh gosh, um, uh, who's the French uh, ocean? Cousteau. Cousteau, the whole Cousteau vibe mm-hmm. going with Steve Zissou and his team of guys, and you know Jeff Goldblum as the rival oceanographer mm-hmm. is hilarious, and Kate Blanchett is in it, and she's terrific, and uh, uh, um, of course uh, you know Owen Wilson and Willem Dafoe as his sort of um, sidekick. 
I mean, am I imagining this, cast. or is there? Maybe I'm imagining this. Is there an homage to Buckaroo Banzai at the end of that movie? I think yeah, because I think they're all kind of walking, doing that kind of march uh, together, right? Is that yeah? Am I, I thinking? feel like am there's. I, I, I could be completely misremembering it, but it feels like that happened, and like it might have even been the music. I could be wrong. But he just does these, you know. Wes Anderson is, you know, kind of at his Wes Anderson-est est right. in, the, in that movie with some of his, uh, you know, uh, filmmaking affectations. With it gets the, a little tweaked. Yeah, with like it, those, the was it the French versions of the David Bowie songs or the right. um, the cutaway? I love that cutaway shot of the, the the their ship where you're, you know, it's very childlike. Yes. In, in a way, it's got a, a real charm to it. And, uh, you know, and it's this great story about Bill Murray trying to track down the shark that ate his friend, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, document it. And, he, you know, it's it's just just I just always found it really enchanting. I really enjoy that. Movie. It's basically movie. That's good. Yeah. Well, you know, you guys were really mean and shot down my spy. love me idea. So I'm going to instead <laughs> replace that with, uh, you know, the star spy. love me. Kurt Jurgens uh, was in a classic sub movie called The Enemy. Below, yes. which is a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, uh, um, uh, a sub movie. You know, early when you know one of the classic sub movies that, in fact, was an inspiration for the great Star Trek episode, Balance of Terror. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're stuck on, as I am, the Spy Who Loved Me, it also <laughs> starred the great uh, Barbara Bach as uh, Agent Triple X, Major Masova, who is married to. Ringo Starr. Yes. Ringo Starr, of course, is the captain of the Yellow Submarine, (laughs) which is another great movie to consider for Friday. (laughs) Not only filled with amazing tunes, uh, but also features a really iconic submarine. Which but, is it, but it flies in the air and underwater, (laughs) and it goes to uh, (laughs) the land of the Blue Meanies Meanies and to to Pepperland. Wouldn't you? Isn't that a great way to end a week? In Pepperland? No. In, no, not really. <laughs> okay, not, not so fine. All. So what about um, uh, what about uh, Run Silent, Run Deep with the great Burt Lancaster Absolutely. and Clark Gable? In I fact, love that movie. Um, Run Silent, Run Deep, the very first thing, um, my, my very first produced credit uh, on Andromeda, uh, we wrote uh, this space battle episode that was very much inspired by uh, Run Silent, Run Deep. So uh, that, has a, that, that, that movie has a very special place in my heart. I also really like uh, the Bedford incident with Richard Winmark and uh, Sidney Poitier, uh, which was another great uh, sub movie. And then, you know, uh, another director who never really he, they, they kept heralding him as the next James Cameron. He never became the next James Cameron, but he did some really interesting B plus movies. Uh, he did U five seven one, and of course Breakdown, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and then what Terminator three also didn't he right. do Terminator, Terminator uh, 3? Jonathan Mostow, Jonathan Mostow, yeah. who never really broke out, but yet was consistently good, but never great. Right. Um, and uh, but I, I like U five seven one. I don't put it in the classics like Enemy Below no. or. Uh, or Run Silent, Run Deep, but uh, or Crimson it's, Tide. It's a solid movie. It's, it's a, solid. It is a solid movie as well. Uh, along with, I always kind of get it mixed up with K nineteen, The Widowmaker. Right. Uh, Harrison <laughs> Ford, he plays a, a Russian. Is he Russian in that or German? K nineteen. He's Russian. He's I believe. Russian. Yeah. I think he's Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's her- much like Sean Connery. Uh, Sean. Right. His he's father Connery. before him. Yes. Um, <laughs> we didn't mention a film that only takes place partially under the sea. It takes place mostly on top of the sea, and that's. 1995's Waterworld. 
Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't really think that in an under the sea movie though. It's I think on it's top of the apocalyptic. Well, everyone is under the sea in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah kind of a, I think it's it's more appropriate for post apocalyptic apocalypse yeah. week. You know. So so then here is one that takes that, place entirely that's for, under the that's sea. That's for drink your own urine week. Oh. Maybe this this might be <laughs> that's a short, week as well. Yeah. Very short week. But deep blue sea. Mm. Yeah, right. Uh, Darren worked, has, walked on that worked too. On that, yeah. Did you really? That yeah. that movie has like one of obviously we all know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. it, it's not a great movie, and it has one of the greatest moments in film yeah. history. But is that Shark Week or is it's that? <laughs> I think it's we probably shark, shark Week. week. But you know okay. what else would be a great for for, for because it has sea in the title, so I think it, it is natural. <laughs> is uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea yeah. with mm-hmm. uh, Richard yeah. Basehart and yeah. oh, actually right. not Richard Basehart because that was the right. TV series. It was Walter Pigeon. Yeah, yeah. Our friend Jeff. Jeff Bond would be very angry if we hadn't mentioned We hadn't that. mentioned Voyage <laughs> to the Bottom of the Sea. Erwin uh, Allen, you know, one of the, you know, and, and you know, before it gets sort of silly in the TV series, the movie is, is, is it's quite uh, And it has another good buttocks shot of the lovely Barbara Eden. <laughs> well, yeah. So, there you go. Did you pay for it? Married to Michael and Sarah. That's correct. Six wow. Degrees of Bill Shatner. Here we come. Uh... Okay. Well, Michael Crichton's Sphere. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe not. Directed uh, by, wasn't that a really weird person who directed that? Was it Michael Nichols or Robert Zemeckis? No, it was, was, no, it was uh, Barry Levinson. Oh, Barry Levinson. Yeah. I knew it was like some weird out of yeah. left field choice. Um, but uh, Sharon and, and, Stone, and Dustin thing, Hoffman. The, and, the submersible from Sphere uh, was used in Deep Blue Sea. Really? Huh. Yeah. And then, of course, wow, there's, fun uh, facts uh, it's from not Darren really Darkman. under the sea. It's more like, uh, it's got a submarine in it, though. Fantastic voyage. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, that's a really short week with inner space. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> in inner space. Tiny people week. Tiny, right. oh, Incredible shrinking, shrinking, and, 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 and downsized. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Okay, maybe not. Yeah. Well, look, we got to make a decision about Friday. I I'm leaning towards the abyss. Yeah, I agree, I so. and mainly, I think to please my uh, to please my son again, um, who once told me, I don't know if I've told this story. Maybe I have. I'll tell it again. Um, he says to me, well, my wife says, ask your son who his heroes are. So I said, okay. And I'm thinking one of them had better be dad. And uh, <laughs> Good luck with that. I know, right? It turns out, no, no, one of them yeah. is not. No. So I ask him, and he gives me a couple names I've never heard before. And then he says, and James Cameron. And I said, oh, thank God, son. Thank God that there's some part of this that has reached you. Why? What's your favorite movie? And he goes, I don't know what you mean. I'm like, well, why are you saying James Cameron? He says, well, because he's gone deeper in the ocean than anyone. Mm. And I went, oh, wow. So, you know, and uh, and and obviously, uh, uh, you know, uh, in 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 the abyss, um, they but go in deeper Titanic. than anybody. And, and yeah. I, I joked about Titanic, but you know, the the filmmaking of Titanic is virtuoso filmmaking. Yeah. The opening scenes where they actually go to the Titanic, and of course. Uh, it, it really, regardless of what you think of that movie, you know, it is the perfect amalgamation of uh, a romance and an action film, um, you know, in terms of the first hour, which is, you know, the sweeping romance and the second hour, which is, this, you know, uh, a, you know, action epic. Um, it's really a remarkable film, regardless of what you think of it. Totally. And there was absolutely room on that door. But no, I um, <laughs> I no, I think The Abyss. Is yeah, I think which, The Abyss. Which, you know. 
shamefully is not available, uh, you know, on Blu-ray. It's unforgivable. 4K. I think they're waiting to tie it into something. Yeah. So I guess I assume when he does the well, next I guess Avatar, next year will be the 30th then they'll finally, you know, <laughs> yeah. release it on Blu-ray and 4K and everything. I, I thought they were readying it for its 25th anniversary yeah. well, a few years ago, and it didn't. Jim's make it. been busy with his other Avatar movies. It's so. a huge oversight, you know, and and True Lies is also not readily available in any kind of format that's watchable. Well, um, I'm sure that once uh, Disney takes over Fox, uh, every we have Jedi's avenue, fighting aliens. every avenue will be used for money gathering. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Monday, it's Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Tuesday, The Hunt for Red October. Wednesday is uh, is uh, Ice Station Zebra. Ice Station Zebra, right? Thursday. Thursday was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And Friday is? The Abuse. The Abuse. Sorry, The Abuse. I'm really, I'm, I'm still bummed about Crimson Tide being left out, I have to tell you. Well, but that's what horse racing Gene is Hawk- all about. Gene Hockman. Gene, Gene Hockman. Hockman. Gene Hockman. Gene Hockman Week. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd we'll like have Gene another Hackman. shot at Gene Hackman Week. Did I so, see Crimson Tide with you? I think we might have seen did. it together at the Beverly Connection Theater. Yes, And I you recall did. having to really use the bathroom, and I had to run out as soon as the, uh, Especially with all the, the tension was, was released. <laughs> well, Steve, that's a room. fascinating memory. Yes, a <laughs> great anecdote. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for joining us for Under the Sea Week. We're going to be back next week with an all-new episode of the 430 movie. Guys, if they want to continue the conversation, or if there are movies we forgot about that they uh, people want to bring to your attention, where can they find you, Steve Melching? Uh, at Stephen Melching. Melching on Twitter. Darren Dockerman. On Twitter, at Darren Dock, with one R. Ashley Miller. On Twitter, at Ashmaster Zero. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram, at Mark A. Altman. And I want to remind you that Ashley's uh, uh, worked on Lore Season 2, which drops on Amazon Prime this month. Steve has Star Wars Resistance coming to the Disney Channel. And, of course, my oral history of Battlestar Galactica, so say we all, is available now in bookstores everywhere. We hope you'll visit us at the 430 Movie uh, website where you can find great swag and also previous... 430movie.com, 430movie.com. And you can also uh, find previous episodes in case you've missed... Uh, any of these exciting theme weeks. We also want to do a shout out and a very special thanks to our engineer, Bill Ritter, who makes it all possible, along with all our friends here at Electric Entertainment, where we're using the Electric Studios to record our podcast. So thank you, Bill. Thank you, Dean. And we'll see you next week for an all new episode of the 430 Movie.